All right, well today I'm going to share from the Word. We're going to take a take on a subject that we can't surely exhaust in one Sunday, and so uh, we're going to we're going to really just touch on it uh, this week is what I sense. We've been going through uh, the idea of a reset for the year, where we kind of reset things in our lives, where we get our priorities focused again, where we get just back on track. Uh, the first first uh, Sunday of this year, we talked about prayer. Uh, for those of you that weren't here, we... we uh, we looked at the book of Revelation that says our prayers are kept in golden bowls in heaven. However that happens, and it says that it's almost like an, an incense offering that goes up before the throne of God. And that just, that just makes me, I, I've been trying to think of that when I pray. In other words, just to, you know, it's not magic. It doesn't magically make something happen better. It just, it's just a perspective that says, hey, this is, this is important. When I'm bringing something to God that God thinks it's so valuable, he's got a golden bowl with my prayers in it. Can you imagine that? I mean, it's just an awesome thought. I, I, keep, I love just thinking about it again. <laughs> just like, you know, there's prayers that we prayed five, ten years ago that maybe, maybe haven't, we haven't seen the fulfillment of yet. But God's still got them. They're still in heaven. There's still an offering coming before the throne. And there be, there's reasons he knows why, you know, things are... Not the way we want them to be, right? They don't happen as quickly as we want, but he's, he's in charge. He's, he's God. And I have my, my requests, my, my pleas, my desires, my longings before his throne in golden bowls. Then we looked at the second week, reset, uh, you know, clear out the stuff. It says, hey, God's kingdom has got to be first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. And so many times we get off track into seeking the things that be added unto us. Even if they're good. It doesn't say seek those things and you'll get them. It says seek first the kingdom and then those things will be added unto you. That the kingdom is ultimately where the king rules. And so we want to see the king's rule and reign wherever we are. When we submit to the king, then we have the benefits of the kingdom. The blessing of the kingdom flows from that because we have things in the right order. And then last week we talked about identity, resetting our identity, that identity is hugely important. It allows us entry into the things of God. It allows us access to the, to the resources of God, and it gives us that belonging that knows we belong to God, that we're a part of His family. And we talked about being chosen to be uh, a holy nation, a, a royal priesthood, that we're doubly royal through birth and through marriage, all kinds of good stuff. If you didn't here last week, I do, we do have it finally working online again. It was not working for a while, so that stuff's back up if that interests you. Um, so today we're going to talk about reset and healing. Reset, healing. So in other words, sometimes we just need a could be for the first time where we realize God's desire and will for healing in our lives and in the lives of others around us, more importantly. So I want us, we're going to go through a few scriptures here. And we're going we're gonna to start in the Old Testament, and we're not going to nearly get through anything about everything about healing. So uh, just I'm going to leave some stuff out because there's so much that we could talk about. Uh, and I don't know, maybe we'll do some more next Sunday. I don't know that yet. Um, but I want us to open the Word, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question, and I didn't know the answer to this, so don't be afraid. I was like, where is the first healing in the Bible? Where's the first healing in the Bible? Think about that question. I'm almost betting that nobody knows the answer. 
Adam? Is it Adam? What was he healed of? <laughs> okay, well, now you're thinking way, way different than I am, okay? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll just say you got me, okay? <laughs> okay, but that, that was before sin, so there was, no, there was no destruction with that, so that didn't really need healing, uh, but, yeah, that's, you, just, you got me. So, <laughs> okay, uh, and then the one week you do say, somebody actually does respond, okay, I... Uh, about that? Okay, the one, the first one that I found that where actually God says God actually heals somebody that had a disease or a sickness, okay, is in Genesis chapter 20. So let's go to Genesis 20. We're just going to start there. It's, a, it's an interesting account of Abraham and the first man that's mentioned as being healed in the scriptures is Abimelech, okay? So if you get that on trivial pursuit question... It could be Adam, but it could be Abimelech if Adam's not there. So, um, Abraham has been chosen by God. Um, he's gone into the promised land. He's, he's basically a, a wanderer in that land. He's, he's wandering around the land. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah has just been destroyed, so Lot has been rescued uh, from that except for his wife. And they're in the region and living. Lot was uh, his nephew, of course. And so now this is account of Abraham as he's traveling around the region. It says in verse 1, and Holy Spirit, we just invite you to open the scriptures. It says, now Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur while he was in Gerar. And there Abraham said of his wife Sarah, she is my sister. So then Abimelech came to Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. So in other words, uh, Abraham, you know, lies about his wife. We, we, we've, heard, we've probably heard this story before. He, he's nervous because he's afraid because she's so beautiful that they'll take her by force. So, she, so they just say, well, just say you're my sister. And so then the king says, I really like her. She looks really, really amazing. And so why don't you come and come into my, my palace? So King Abimelech invites her into the palace. But look what happens. It says, But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, You are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She's a married woman. Now Abimelech had not gone near her. In other words, he hadn't moved in to, you know, do anything that he shouldn't do. Okay? So, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, She's my sister and did... Didn't she also say, he is my brother? I've done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. And then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience, and so I have kept you from sinning against me. Isn't that cool right there that God was like, like just looking out for Abimelech here? Whoever this guy is, we don't have much about information about him. He was a king of this, this region, the city. And it says, look, God, was, God says, I'm, I'm looking out for you. I came in and made sure you didn't sin against me. That's why I did not let you touch her. Now, now you've got a choice. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. Okay? Notice what, what's being not directly said there. Abimelech's going to die. Okay? Did you notice that? You've got you to catch that part, because it's... It's, in, it's kind of inferred in there. In other words, 
He's going to pray for you so you live. In other words, he has something going on in him now because of what's going on that is causing him. He's going to die from the sickness or disease or whatever is, whatever is going on. But if you don't, do not return her, you may be sure that you and all yours will die. Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials. And when he told them what had happened, they were very much afraid. Then they called in Abraham and said, what have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You've done things to me that should not be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, what was your reason for doing this? Why did you do this? Abraham replied, I said to myself, there's surely no fear of God in this place. And they will kill me because of my wife. In other words, he, he knew that his wife was attractive and said they're going to try to take her. Besides, she really is my sister. Okay, so here's Abraham kind of justifying lying, okay? So we're not going to buy into this. She is the daughter of my father, though not of my mother, and she became my wife. Don't worry about that. Don't get all into all those questions about why that is, okay? And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show me your love to me. Everywhere we go, save me. He is my brother. So then Abimelech says, brings in sheep, cattle, male and female slaves, and he gives them to Abraham. So he blesses Abraham. He gives him a great gift. And he returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, My land is before you. Live wherever you like. To Sarah he said, I'm giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This is to cover the offense against you before all who are with you. You are completely vindicated. In other words, just so you know, nothing happened between us. Uh, Then Abraham prayed to God. Look at this. And God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his slave girls, so they could have children again. For the Lord had closed up every womb in Abimelech's household because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. This is the first prayer for healing in the Bible. This, isn't that fascinating? It's a fascinating story, and there's all kinds of stuff in there that I think if you try to figure it out too much, why did this happen, why did that happen, you just, you just get off track. So I'm not going to try to address all that this morning. If you want to privately talk to me about that, uh, I might have some answers, I might not for some of those questions. But, I mean, the, the story is basically because, think about this. This is an amazing thing about Abraham being the chosen one of God. And remember, last week we talked about us being chosen, Abraham was chosen. And with with God's choosing comes favor. And that favor rested upon Abraham even when he lied. I mean, did you notice that? I mean... Us, in our thinking, like, you know, just black and white, judgment, law, and all that, we're like, wait a second here. Who was the one who messed up? Who's the one who did the wrong here? Abraham. I mean, Abraham's the one that lied, and what happens? He's got the favor of God so much in his life, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying sin doesn't matter. Everybody, Anybody hear me say sin doesn't matter? Okay, good. Okay, but look at this. The favor of God is upon Abraham, and even though Abraham chooses to do something less than who he is, in other words, he lives below the level of his identity. He doesn't live up to the level of who God has said he is. He says, I need to be afraid. God says, look, anybody touches you, if anybody you know, tries to curse you, they're going to be cursed. Anybody who blesses you will be blessed. He's already got the favor of God in his life, so even when he gets off track, look, the, the favor of God is on his life. It's like, look, you're my chosen one. If someone messes with you, there's going to be consequences. So it's not Abraham who gets sick. 
It's not Abraham's family who has all this stuff going on. It's Abimelech's, even though he's done nothing wrong. Now, God in his mercy, notice, notice God is being merciful in the middle of this, where he's saying, look, in the middle of this, God comes to Abimelech and says, I'm going to keep you from what is going to happen to you, basically. See, there, there's consequences for wrongdoing and says, look, you, you're, gonna, you're about to do something wrong here. You're about to take another man's wife. And if you do that, basically, there's going to be something, the consequence of that, of the, the natural order of things is there's going to be some sort of plague or something's going to happen where all these people are going to die. But Abraham, the man of God, the one chosen of God, the favored one of God, is the one that prays and God hears and heals. So here's what I see from this in the first account of healing. It's just something very simple. Number one, God is the one who heals. And it's the people of God who ask God to heal. Very simple. You know, established right here. Turn to Isaiah 53. Maybe I should get my notes out just in case. Isaiah 53. Isaiah is just an awesome book. I love Isaiah. It's one of my favorite books in the Old Testament because there's so much about Jesus in Isaiah. He's all over the book. Uh, Isaiah 53, this is the famous scripture about Jesus. I mean, I've even heard of stories where, you know, if this part wasn't in the Bible, there wouldn't be as great of a bridge between the Old and New Testament. I mean, Isaiah 53 like connects the Old Testament and the New Testament says these go together. And this, so this is a prophecy about Jesus hundreds and hundreds of years before he's, he's born on earth. And in verse 4, it says this, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, or the more traditional translation, and by his stripes, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now we have the the opportunity of hindsight to read that. When I read that, I know right away, Jesus, that's... You can tell who it's talking about. Back when Isaiah said it, they weren't sure. I mean, they knew it was probably a, a messianic prophecy. They didn't quite understand all the, the piercing and the crushing and what, what's going on with all that. They didn't know exactly what that meant, but they knew this was about the Messiah. Well, we can look back and go, man, that's just a perfect picture of Jesus. And it says he, he carried our sorrows. But another translation of that word is he carried our sickness or he carried our pains. See, Hebrew is a Hebrew is a pictorial language. It's not like it's not like Greek. It, Greek is like this word means this, you know. Hebrew is like let me show you a picture of what this word means. And so Hebrew, like reading the Amplified Bible in Hebrew, is a little bit more accurate than reading it in the New Testament in Greek because you know. It, in the New Testament, it probably doesn't mean all those things. In the Old Testament, it gives you a picture of what God is really saying. And so this gives us a picture here 
of why Jesus suffered and died. Was it about sin? Yes. But what else was it about? It was about healing. And so we establish here that when Jesus comes, his suffering and his death are going to include provision for healing in our bodies. Because it says, look, he carried our sicknesses. He carried our pains. He carried our sorrows, our, in, our infirmities. I mean, what is an infirmity? A sickness. It's, it's, you know, it's something that is infecting us with something that doesn't belong in our bodies. And he says we, he's pierced for our transgressions, the things we've done wrong, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his, his wounds or his stripes, we are healed. And so here's the deal. Then everything else, when I come to Jesus, I have to realize this is what he did. This is what, this is what the death of Jesus was about. That there was importance in the suffering of Jesus. It wasn't just that he had to die. Isaiah is saying, no, he's going to die in a specific way that's going to be specific reasons for that suffering. There's a reason Jesus came at the time he came. He needed to die the exact death he died. Because God said, this is the way that I'm going to redeem you from sin. This is the way that I'm going to redeem you from sickness. This is, I'm, going to, I'm going to bring you into wholeness by the brokenness of the Savior. And, I mean... Isaiah 53 lays that out. What happens when Jesus shows up? Well, let's, let's go to the New Testament. I told you we're going we're gonna to skip around a little bit here. And we're giving you a broad picture here. So it's going to be a really broad picture of healing. But I want to lay the foundation. I, uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 4. So the first book of the New Testament. Jesus is born. The Magi visit. The shepherds visit. Uh, in reverse order, he goes to Egypt, then Jesus grows up. We don't hear much about him growing up except when he was 12. And then he shows up and he's baptized by John the Baptist. And then immediately he goes into the desert and he doesn't eat anything for 40 days and he's tempted by the devil. And then it says he returns and he begins to preach and begins to say what we've been talking about. Hey, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And so then in Matthew 4 and verse 23... Uh, It says this, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demonized. Uh, or some translations will say demon possessed. It's really demonized. Those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. So what happens when Jesus shows up? Wherever the presence of the king is, there's wholeness, right? So wherever Jesus is, there is healing being released. This is even before he died. This is even before he suffered. What does that tell you about healing? It's not just the suffering and death of Jesus. It's also the presence of the king that brings healing. So there's two things that bring healing in our lives. Number one, the presence of the kingdom, the power of the kingdom of God. When the king is present, then sickness and disease are healed. Number two, he sealed it. This is the way I look at it. He sealed it by his suffering before the cross. It says, by his stripes, we are healed. 
And so you've got, you've got a two-sided uh, manifesto or declaration about, about healing, the kingdom and the suffering of the king. Look at Luke 9, verses 1 and 2. Luke 9, 1 and 2, it says, When Jesus had called the twelve disciples together, this is later on, he's sending them out, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So now, what does Jesus do with his disciples? He commissions them. He sends them, but he also empowers them and says, go, go spread the good news and heal the sick. You, gotta do, you need to do both because wherever the kingdom is, there's wholeness. In every area of life, wherever the kingdom is proclaimed, there is wholeness in life. So whether that's, in, you know, whether that's emotions, there's wholeness for our emotions. Whether that's in my physical body, there's wholeness for my physical body. You'll notice, too, that Jesus gives them two things. What are the two things he gives them? They're both important. Power and authority. Okay? Those are two Greek words that mean this. The first one, power, is the word dunamis. If you've, if you've been in the Pentecostal be- church before, you've heard of the word dunamis. Okay? The, the word dunamis is like the power of lightning. You know, when lightning strikes, you're like, boom, dunamis. Whoa. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a root word that gets you to the, the, the word dynamite, which we have in English, which is from, you know, all these words. You know, dunamis is that idea. It's, it's the explosive power of God. So you got, so, so think about this. First of all, are you a disciple of Jesus? Okay, if you're a disciple of Jesus and Jesus says, Therefore, when I send you, I'm going to give you power and authority. So power, the explosive power of God, because we need that. We don't, I don't have any power on my own to do anything. I mean, I don't, I don't, have, I don't have nothing to give. I, I mean, I, I mean there's, there's nothing I can do to take care of these situations. If somebody needs healing, I have nothing. I, I, have, no, I have nothing. I don't have wisdom. I don't, I don't have a way to talk it out. I, I don't have anything. I need, I need his power. But Jesus also gives them authority. Authority is the word exousia. We've talked about authority last year, but if you weren't here, you know, authority, when authority shows up, people obey authorities. Like we said, when a, when a policeman shows up in a room, everybody knows the authority that that policeman has. And we all take notice when a person of authority is present. And so here's the deal. Demons and those demons that cause sickness take notice when a person of authority is present. Now, the policeman, we'll just say Officer Poe, since he's not here, when Officer Poe, he can decide whether he's going to exercise his authority or not. If he wants to let something go, I'm not saying he does this, but if he comes up to someone and says, you know, catches them doing something they shouldn't do, which is what policemen do all the time. There's people doing stuff they shouldn't do, right, Terry? All the time. There's people doing stuff that should not be done. And, you know, when an officer catches them, they can exercise their authority and arrest that person or they can give them a warning. They can do whatever they would like to do with that authority. But he can choose to exercise that authority. If he wants to ignore what's going on and say, have a great day, I don't care, do whatever you do, I mean, eventually he might get fired. But 
He's not using his authority properly. He has to exercise that authority. With his authority, he is allowed, though, to take captive the wrongdoer and say, that can't be done here anymore. That's the word that Jesus gives to his disciples. It says, you not only have power, you have authority. What that tells me is, is one thing. Not every instance of healing is an issue of power. Some instances of healing, what needs to be exercised is authority. It's not an issue. It may not be an issue of sin. Sometimes is healing an issue of sin? Yes. The scripture says, the scripture is clear. The source of sickness is because human beings sinned, so sickness was allowed into the world. Okay, so there's that. There's that part of it. But the second part of why sickness is allowed is because human beings, mankind, was put in authority over the earth. And when we relinquish that authority to the enemy, then the enemy then had authority to bring things onto earth that don't belong in God's kingdom. So any kind of sickness or disease does not belong in the kingdom of God, so it's sourced in the release of sin and the release of through the release of sin by human beings and through us giving up our authority to the enemy. So that's why Jesus comes to us and says, look, you need the power, but you also need the authority over sickness and disease. And he sends the disciples out. And what happens? You know, they become amazed. They're like, hey, everything that you said is happening. You know, what what you said you give, you you have, have given to us. And so... Here's the deal. We need to understand that I have power and authority. And the best way to realize that power is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I encourage you, that is God's source of power in your life. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to be clothed with power from on high. Because there's something different that happens in your life when you invite the Holy Spirit to empower you. And so that, that's necessary. The early church, it was essential. It was, like, it was kind of like all the same thing. Look, you get saved, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get delivered from anything that you had holding on to you. That was, that was the way the early church operated. And so then that person is ready to minister the kingdom, to be a messenger of the king. And so, so many times we've separated all these things Throughout the years of the church, you know, salvation is over here, baptismal Holy Spirit over here, deliverance and inner healing over here. No, no, we, we need all those things because we're, we're the representatives, we're the chosen ones. He says, you, I chose you, so you got to go, but you, I want you to go looking like you're supposed to look and being who you're supposed to be and having what you're supposed to have. You want an example of inner healing, releasing healing? Let's go to Mark 2. Mark chapter 2. This is a story of the, the men who bring Jesus the paralytic and let him through the roof. It says a few days later, uh, when Jesus began, again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after 
And after digging through it, I love that, they digging through the roof, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, what does he do? He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, why did Jesus do that? I mean, there's, it's, they weren't asking for this guy's sins to be forgiven. I mean, I can imagine those guys up, up, up on the roof are like, that's awesome. Uh, we actually want him to get healed. Um, we were hoping he would get off the mat, you know. <laughs> you know, I didn't dig through the roof so you could just say, hey, your sins are forgiven. But Jesus, you know, Jesus isn't just doing something for fun. Like, oh, I'm just going to do that this time and change it up. No, there's something specific that needed to happen in this guy's life. He needed to be healed on the inside before he could be healed on the outside. And so there was the inner healing first that happened by the forgiveness of his sins. Then the outer happened, and it's what happens. It says, then everybody starts whispering, you can't forgive sins, you can't forgive sins. And immediately Jesus knows what they're whispering in their head, knew what they were thinking in their hearts. Verse 8, he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is, which is easier to say? In other words, it's easy to say your sins are forgiven. I can, you know, anybody can say that. It may not mean anything. Is it easy to say that or to say, get up, take your mat and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. But what happened? Jesus took care of the inner man first and then the outer man was much more easily healed. Sometimes when you were dealing in our own lives or with someone else, there's something on the inside that needs to be taken care of before something on the outside can be healed. Because something on the inside is the infection. In other words, if I don't get to the source of what is causing something else to manifest in someone's life, then it's just going to happen again all over. It may take a different form. And so, again, is this always the case? No, because what, what does Jesus say to the man born blind in John chapter 9? Everybody's like, this guy was born blind because of the sin of him or his parents. And Jesus is like, nobody sinned in this case. No, this, this happened. I'm, I'm going I'm to bring great glory to my father through this. There, you, know, you don't know why it's there. Look, it's not always that. But in John 5, what does Jesus tell the guy by the pool? I know I'm skipping around, so go read these all on your own. He says, he says to the man at the pool, he heals him, and you know, he couldn't get in the pool that was supposedly had these magic powers to heal people. And Jesus says, hey, you're healed. Take up your mat and go home. And he's healed. And then Jesus runs into him later. And what does Jesus tell him? He doesn't say, hey, that's great to see you. He says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. You're like, Jesus, I thought you were gentle, meek, and mild. And, you know, you wore a nice robe and smiled all the time. <laughs> well, he, he did wear a robe and he did smile a lot, I think. I think he might even have a smile on his face. But he's like, look... There's something in your life that's going to cause something worse to happen with you. I've, I've, I've healed you of your inability, your lameness, your inability to walk. But you've got to stop sinning or something worse is going to happen to you. So there is sometimes, sometimes, everybody hear me say sometimes, okay? Sometimes there is a sin issue, there's a heart issue that needs to be taken care of. It may not be something. A lot of times people get healed when they forgive. I mean, when you hold unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart, 
You know what? A lot of people get lots of physical effects from that because your spirit will always affect your body. You know, the spirit is meant to be in charge of the body. But if, my, if there's something going on in my soul area that is affecting me, in other words, there's, a, there's infection there, it's going to manifest itself physically many times. Now, is that always the case? Because No, it's not always the case. That's why Jesus said, I give you authority also. There are some cases where a sickness is directly related to a demonic influence. There are several times in the scriptures where Jesus addresses a spirit of infirmity in somebody and takes authority over that thing and then the person is healed why because that sickness was not an issue of sin it wasn't just an issue of catching something because of the human race no it was a specific assignment of the enemy to bring a disabling spirit or a sickness or a disease on someone there was one time we were praying for healing it's been several years ago there's a gentleman right here on the second row i don't remember his name he only came like two weeks or something and uh, we, we were doing a prayer for healing. I think we did a general call for healing. And people were praying for people all over the place. And uh, so I asked, is anybody healed? And there may have been a couple responses. I don't remember exactly what happened. But we had been praying for this guy's shoulder. And I said, are you, are you feeling better? He said, well, it doesn't hurt here now. It hurts somewhere else now. And so immediately what I did was I immediately put, laid my hand on him. And this was totally God because I don't even know... Like if I knew what I was totally doing, but I was like, I just, I said, in the name of Jesus, you spirit of infirmity, I command you to leave this body right now. And instantly his pain was gone because his pain, the the pain in his body was caused by a spiritual force. An enemy agent was at work in his body. So sometimes that's why we need the authority because sickness is not always an issue of just dealing with you know, regular sickness, sometimes it's an issue of authority. The enemy is only evicted by someone taking their authority. And so it's up. Who is it up to? We're like the Abrahams now. What is Abraham? He's the father of faith. I think it's interesting that Abraham as the father of faith is the first one to release healing into someone else because he has access to God. He is the favor of God. He is the blessing of God. And what he says will happen in someone else's life. So he released the blessing of God. Abraham was, was a picture of the person of faith for healing that says, hey, we're meant to minister. Don't pick up the lying from Abraham. Pick up the faith. <laughs> you know, Abraham kept, he had this problem with lying. I don't know. You know, he had this thing. And then he has kids and they have problems. They start doing the same thing. There's a generational curse going on in his family line. And I know I'm getting into all kinds of stuff here. But, but I want you to see that God's desire is to heal. And God's desire to heal is rooted in, first of all, who he is. Because God is a God who is good. He's a good God. And God is a God who's holy. In other words, there's nothing out of place in him or in his presence. And so where he is, there is going to be wholeness. Because that's how he designed it and made it to be. Because he's good. But healing is also resting in who we are in Christ. That our identity is important because God says, now you're the chosen one. You're the representative. You are the one who carry my presence. That's why Jesus says, look, it's better for you that I go away so I can send you the Holy Spirit. In other words, when I send the Holy Spirit, now you have the, the spirit 
of the king in you. So when you are in a situation, I don't have to say, you know, I don't, I don't have to wonder if God's going to show up. God's already showed up. He sent you. So if you're there, the presence of the king is there. As a child or daughter or son of God, and if you've turned on the power switch that says, hey, I want to release the power, baptize in the Holy Spirit, then I've got the power and the authority to see healing in my life and others' lives. One more thing here. We could go on for a long time. I could probably preach a long time on healing too because you start going, yeah, you, you, there's, there's so many different accounts. There's, there's, there's one time where Jesus is going to pray for a blind man and Jesus says, we have to go outside the town first before we pray. Now you think, this is Jesus. This is Jesus says, we can't do it here. I don't, I don't have the reference because I didn't look that one up before. I can find it for you. But there's a time where Jesus says, hey, we got to go outside the city. So before he prays for the guy, in other words, he says, the atmosphere here is not right. There's something spiritually going on here where we, we don't want to mess. we got to go outside. So I don't know what it was in that city or that village. It says they took him outside the village. Then he prayed for him. And he was instantly, his blind eyes were open. So there's no formula. There's not a formula. I wish there was a formula. I'd love to like hand it out. You know, have you ever... And I know those of us that walk with the Lord a while, we've tried it. Sometimes you, you pray for somebody once. Here's what I did when I prayed for that guy and I command that spirit of infirmity to go. It went right away. It's like, oh, sweet. That's awesome. You know, you get all excited when, when God uses you. And so then the next time I'm praying for someone, the spirit of infirmity in Jesus' name, go. And then nothing happens. You're like, oh, it's not a formula. Huh? It's not just, you know, it wasn't the magic words. No, it's the, it's the leading of the Holy Spirit, you know. And so we have to be, we have to have the 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 awareness and the recognition of what the Holy Spirit is saying. And so we need to listen to him about what he says. You know, why did Jesus rub mud on some guy's eyes and some guy's eyes he didn't? Well, the Holy Spirit showed him that. He saw what God was doing. I mean, why did Jesus spit sometimes? I mean, it's interesting. When he was healing people, sometimes it says he, he, he spit to the side and then laid hands on him. Then there's another time where he spits on mud and sticks it on the guy's eyes. You know, what was the difference? I mean, did Jesus just like variety? Does he like spit? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> no. He, he, the, <laughs> the Holy Spirit said, this is the way this is going to happen. Think of Naaman in the Old Testament. Naaman uh, is, a, is not a, a person of God. He comes to the people of God and they tell him, how do I get healed of leprosy? And they say, go wash in the river, the Jordan River, seven times. He doesn't want to go. You know, was there something magic in the Jordan River? No, God says, this is the way I'm going to heal you. So there's no, there's no formula. So if, if, we, if we're focused in on the formula, then we're going to get off track. Here's one more thing I want to address before we do some prayer. Um, do some prayer for healing as we close. Isn't this exciting, though, that God wants to heal? I think it's, it's fun to talk about. It's fun to, and it's a good reminder. That's why we just need to reset. I'm just doing the reset. We, many of us know this in this room. But let's be reminded that we are the the representatives of the kingdom of god so i represent the king and the king has said you are i've i've sent you to do a few things share the good news and heal the sick <laughs> okay you all everybody good here you getting bored anybody hungry yet um, <clears throat> think about the old testament 
The Old Testament, what happens when the people of God come out of Egypt? Um, in relation to sickness, <laughs> okay? It says they, they were well the whole time. And what does it say? He says, look, I, you're going to have none of the diseases that the Egyptians have. So there was a, immediately there was a, there was a distinction between the people of God and those who weren't the people of God. And one of the distinctions was the wholeness of the people of God. In other words, they were in an environment where all this stuff was natural. All this stuff is, this is what happens to everybody. This is the way, just the way it is. This is just, it's Midland. You get allergies. You know, you just, everybody has to have them. Don't just, just receive it. And God separated and said, no, the people of God, you're not going to have all the diseases of the Egyptians. That's for before when you were slaves. You're not a slave anymore. You don't have anything that marks you as a slave in your life any longer. And then what happens in the New Testament further, it says, then look, there's a distinction. So we don't have to, as Brother Greg always says, go the way of the world. In other words, I don't have to go the way of the world in my personal health. I don't, have to receive, I don't have to have it happen just like it happened to everybody else because Jesus made provision for my healing. And I'm his son or daughter. If I'm a representative of the king, why would he, why would he allow that? So he says, look, I'm going to make a distinction from you. And now out of your wholeness, out of who you are, because I've called you and filled you, then you get to spread the wholeness and the goodness of God, the kingdom of God, the blessing that God wants to minister through the kingdom as my representative. So therefore, go. You have the presence of the king in you. Now, here's what happens sometimes. It's just like Mark chapter 9 says this. Uh, this is the story of Jesus is transfigured. Some of the disciples are praying for someone and Jesus comes down and checks in on the prayer. And he shows up in verse 16. Uh, this is Mark 9. This is, not, this is extra. This happened and I thought of this, was reminded of his story in prayer time and I think it's going to minister to some of us. Uh, so you have to look in your Bible. It's not on the screen. Jesus in Mark 9 says, What are you arguing about? Because he comes in front of this crowd and there's this uproar. And uh, a, man in the, a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that, ro- that has robbed him of speech. Okay? So notice that this situation is a situation where it's a spirit who is causing the sickness. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And Jesus says, oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I put up with you? How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him, and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And notice Jesus doesn't even pay attention. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? You know, the devil's always going to make a show and try to get you distracted from listening in to what's, what's going on. From childhood, he answered, it's often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. That's one of my favorite lines in Scripture. I love it because I need to say it all the time. Lord, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief, though. 
Lord, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the if you can't, God, if you can. God, if you can. God, if you can. No, I want to be, say, I want, Lord, help my unbelief. If I'm having trouble with the if, then I want this to be my prayer. Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, which I believe he actually healed him right there. So he cast out the spirit, then he actually heals him. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After he had gone indoors, his disciples asked him, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus said, this, this kind only come out by prayer. Or some translations say prayer and fasting. So in other words, you weren't ready. <laughs> you weren't ready to deal with this situation. And here's what I feel like is, is the case. One of the challenges with healing is my past disappointments when I prayed and nothing happened. I mean, it's, it's just a reality. It's just a reality that, I mean, we all can say it. We can look around the room and say, I've prayed for people and not seen what I wanted to see. And I think the word to us is the, the, is the same words that Jesus says to this man. Everything's possible. If I begin to go into a situation of prayer and I'm already thinking about what's not happened before, I'm not in a place of faith. I'm not looking at the possibility. I'm looking at the impossibility. Whenever we have our view on the impossibility, that's what's going to happen. We're going to see the impossible, uh, you know, not be done. But if I step into the realm of the realm of the spirit, the realm of the kingdom says, all things are possible. All things are possible for him who believes. And I say, I want to pray this prayer. Lord, I do believe. I do believe. We, we just, I mean, whenever you just begin to think of a disappointment in the past, a prayer time, something you asked for, I just encourage you to pray this prayer. Say, Lord, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Because it's not going to be me working it up. You can't get yourself all worked into it and suddenly have faith. No, faith comes by trusting God. And I think, too, sometimes we get our eyes so focused on healing that we lose sight of God. Because I believe there's many times throughout Scripture where Jesus, someone comes to Jesus and they get healed. And Jesus says, you've been healed because of your faith. In other words, according to your faith, it's done to you. What was their faith in? Was their faith in healing or was their faith in Jesus? Their faith was in Jesus. So if I'm too much focused on what Jesus gives, I'm putting what Jesus can give as king over the king who is Jesus. So in order for the kingdom to work, in order for the blessing of the kingdom, the authority of the kingdom, the power of the kingdom to work, the king has to be the king. And so I have to say my priority, first of all, is not, you know, seeking what God is going to do, although I want to seek what God's going to do. In other words, I want to make sure I'm seeking and trusting the king himself. And it's only the king himself where something's going to happen. Where the king is exalted, you know, the power of the kingdom is released. So I encourage you, if you've been disappointed in the past, I'm, I'm right there with you. I've, I've, I've prayed for things and haven't seen them. And I want to pray the prayer that says, God, help me see the possibilities, not see the impossibilities. 
Heal the disappointment in my heart for what I haven't seen so that I can see what you want me to see in this moment. So I want us to close. I want us to do prayer for healing. I think we'd be foolish to preach on this and teach on this, look at the scriptures and not practice it. So today, if you need healing, look, there's, there's healing that's in your body. There's healing in our hearts, our emotions, the things that have happened to us that are traumatic. And then there's maybe, uh, you know, spiritual healing that needs to happen of things that have happened in your past. Uh, we're, we want to pray for you today. We want to we see the healing of God released. And so if that's you, then I want you to lift your hand. Who needs healing today? Okay, one, two, we've got several. Okay. So here's what I want you to do. We're going we're gonna to come up front today. Okay. It's going to be a step of faith. Uh, normally we do it, generally we do it in our church. We say, uh, you know, just stand up where you are and we're going to lay hands with you. I just feel like the Lord is saying we're going to come forward. So if you, if you want prayer for healing, I want you to come forward. It's not going to be magic, Pastor John, that does anything, but just, just come on up. And again, I, I encourage you, if you pray, to, you said, I prayed a hundred times for the same thing, God. I'm just, you know, then just, just ask for God to, maybe he just needs to open up the possibility again. Hey, I want the possibilities open. Thank you, Lord. If you're not, leaders, come on up. Leaders, come on up here. The Bible also says, if anyone is sick, call for the elders of the church, and they will anoint with oil, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And so we're believing, I'm going to hand some oil to some elders, that as we lay hands, Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence right now. We thank you. You are present, King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Go ahead and just begin to begin to pray as, as you're led, when, whenever you're ready. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit.